Hi, my name is Jeff Blackman. I'm the program manager for the Arbor Max Insurance Program. Uh, we've been partnered with the TCIA for 14 years now, a relationship that's been good for both of us. We give back uh, 2% of all the premium we write back to TCIA, um, and we're excited to be a part of the industry. Awesome. Thank you. You know, appreciate having you on. and appreciate you being a partner. One of the first questions I want to ask, and I really want to get into is with, all right. So we, we all kind of know that insurance is important when you're, you know, driving a car, home insurance, renter's insurance, literally every other kind of insurance under the sun. But why is insurance in tree care so vital, not only for uh, an individual, but also for potentially people who are hiring a tree care company as well? I can get into reasons why it's important, but I'll start with um, most everyone hates insurance. I recognize that. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's a product that they are uh, in some cases told they have to buy, you know, it's required by law and in, in the, in terms of uh workers' compensation insurance and, and commercial auto insurance or personal auto insurance, right? The, or, if you, or if you want to finance your building, your home, your, your commercial space, whatever the bank says, you must do this. So generally speaking, people don't like to be told what to do. And they're being told they have to buy insurance. Um, and it's realistically, it's not an inexpensive product either. It costs a lot of money. Um, especially workers' compensation and auto insurance these days. Um, so people don't like it. I get that. I understand it. But I've really, in the years I've done this, I've seen instances where it really does, it makes a difference in people's lives. It, it helps people. And I know there's all the frustrations that go along with it. But the reality is, if you think of, especially workers' compensation insurance, when an, someone gets hurt on the job, and we don't have to talk right now about uh, were you doing everything right in terms of safety or was the employee doing everything right or wrong or were they screwing around or, but just purely in the event somebody gets hurt regardless of cause, that's a life altering experience for that person. It can be, you know, um, I've seen a lot of horrible, horrible claims where people survive and they're physically altered. It might be in a wheelchair or um, you know, you can still walk, but they really don't have the mobility they used to. And, and on top of that, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical bills. And when people end up in those situations, they go looking for money. They have real needs, right? If you have $600,000 in medical bills, you know, in the event that there wasn't workers' compensation there, they would be suing people. They'd be looking for you. They'd be suing the homeowner, uh, their employer. They're, you know, they're going to look for ways to, to, to pay those medical bills. Um, and that that's part of the reason that the workers' compensation was started was to provide for those needs without being a, a burden or a, uh, a catastrophic burden on the business owner that bankrupts them. You know, um, most of us, most business owners don't have several hundred thousand dollars laying around to pay out to an injured employee. Um, unfortunately, we don't live in times anymore where somebody gets hit at work and then they just say, okay, you don't work here anymore. Like it was, you know, 120 years ago or whatever, just that's your problem. Go away. Um, so I know it's expensive. Um, and it seems like it, it gets more expensive every year. The perception is anyway, um, work comp has actually gone down for the last several years, but, uh, at the same time, auto insurance is getting more expensive. So. I understand the burden of it and the dislike for it, but it, there are moments 
in really bad times where it becomes a, a, a benefit to, to everyone involved. Um, can be a lifesaver, literally, you know, you rebuild a building that burns down or, you know, we had a tornado go through here, uh, not far from here, about a week and a half ago. And it's the difference being, between being able to rebuild or not, you know. And would you say in this industry, it's not like a matter of it, but more so a matter of when um, you might need insurance? Because I mean, this is consistently ranked as the top most dangerous industries across the United States. So um, with that kind of level of danger, I feel like, you know, just from my perception of insurance, it's probably one of those things where a company is eventually going to have to make a claim one way or the other. Absolutely. And, and hopefully it's going to be, um, you know, relatively minor, not, not, uh, you know, serious injury for anyone, but, um, it is, uh, you know, as you said, this is one of the most dangerous industries or by some standards, it's the most dangerous industry out there. And I hate it when people say that because that there's a certain, I think there's a certain segment of people that kind of wear that like a badge of honor. Like, you know, I'm a tree guy. I'm, you know, this is the most dangerous, dangerous industry out there. It's more dangerous than oil field, which, you know, I, I wrote insurance for the oil industry for 10 years before I did this. And um, it is dangerous. It's absolutely dangerous. It's dangerous every single day. These guys go to work, but we don't want to approach it like that's a badge of honor. We want to look for ways to reduce that exposure, you know, make sure fewer people get hurt. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a matter of, of when, not if. Um, as an insurance underwriter, I, I was taught years ago, I don't ever get to talk about luck, you know, like um, they've just had bad luck and had some claims. Um, that, that's not my approach. But, uh, you know, when you think about all the exposures, we've got people climbing trees or up in lifts or in a bucket truck. We have people driving big trucks down the road. And you can't, even if you do everything right behind the wheel, you can't control what all those other people on the road are doing. You know, we have uh, passersby that want to walk into the work zone or stand and watch nearby because they think it looks really cool to see somebody take down a tree with a crane or a grapple saw truck or something, you know, so it, it brings an audience. And now you get a bunch of bystanders standing around the edge of the work zone and hopefully staying out of the work zone. But now that's more variables to control. Um, yeah, there's there's so many things that can happen. Um, it is a manner a matter of when not if and hopefully hopefully the when you know is a is a minor minor thing not uh not anything that alters anyone's life yeah and it's not really meant to like scare anybody like oh you know you're going to be getting insurance when you're going to have to make a claim when but it's really just kind of more of a uh, reality check you know that's not just for you as the the company owner or whoever else it is but it's also to protect your employees each time they go out there, because like you said, there's so many things out of their control, whether it's another person, a weather condition. I mean, just generally what's happening on the inside of the tree that they can't see that may have, you know, not been noticeable and everything else they did and they're pre-planning and preparing. So yeah, I, I think trying to have people understand that it's dangerous, but not just because it's dangerous doesn't mean you need to embrace that danger and live that lifestyle you know you can still make it home at the end of the day safe and sound and back to you know and back to your family or people who care about you and people you care about 
Exactly. We, uh, we, um, you know, as you are probably aware, the TCIA has a couple of representatives that do loss control for us. Um, but our company here has our own loss control person as well. And he, he works a little bit on Arbor Max, but mostly does energy and towing. And, uh, but his philosophy when he goes out to see people has always been, you know, I'm not here to be an insurance guy. All I want to do is help you guys make sure that everybody goes home at the end of the day. You know, he goes, you don't ever want to have your day consisting of you have to call somebody and say, there's been an accident. Joe is at the hospital, you know that's that's the bottom line is yeah it is dangerous and instead of treating it like that makes it cool let's let's everybody needs to work out how we can lower the danger lower the risk yeah i agree and speaking of you know just doing all the the tree care stuff and trying to get you know safer and as we do it can you tell us what the most frequent insurance claim made for the industry is i can um if you're talking from purely a worker's compensation point of view, like actually doing the tree work, um, it's it's the struck by and always has been that hasn't changed for years. It's the limb that that falls, you know, and somebody's in the wrong place in the work zone or you know they're in the work zone when they shouldn't be or um, being fed into the chipper and it kicks back and hits somebody. It's the in terms of the day-to-day tree work, it's a it's some variation of of being hit by uh, a moving object uh, in the work zone or near the work zone. In the broader sense, uh, and even more prevalent than that, it's the rear end auto collision. Just our driver hits somebody else that stopped or slowed in front of them. Um, it's by far the most frequent incident, and it's related primarily to distract. Well. There's a lot of factors today. Distracted driving is a huge one, driven primarily by the, you know, the smartphone, the cell phone, texting while driving, looking at your phone, social media. Um, and then there's the additional challenges of, you know, all of our clients are struggling to find enough good qualified drivers. There's a shortage of them. Um, I'm aware of that. I try to be sympathetic to it. But at the same time, that's our biggest uh claim in terms of frequency and often in terms of dollar amount as well so we're really tough on on driver selection and i i know some of our clients um get frustrated with that because they're trying so hard to find people and then they submit a drug they hire a driver and then we come back and go no his his driving record is terrible you know and then the tree care company's got to start over again looking but that's that's our biggest pain point these days is is auto, especially the rear end collision. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I feel like the the two your two top claims are kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum for things. You know, um, a lot of the struck by ones seem pretty unpredictable, right? If something comes back out of a a chipper or a sump grinder, you know, those are kind of things where you can only do so much to to mitigate safety. But at the end of the day, uh, some could pop up and it's not yours but the the rear end one i think is interesting um in distracted driving portion of it too is there i mean really the it seems like the most meaningful way to get out of the rear end you know claims is to be more focused on the road stop texting and doing all that other kind of stuff using the phones now 
when a company is doing that, trying to get to a job site and all that stuff, I get it's probably pretty hectic and they're trying to follow directions and do this and do that. Is there any, you know, advice that you give out to whether it's like repeat offenders or people who are, you know, of a poor driving record who are looking to get into better standings? They can be that kind of qualified help that a company needs. Is there anything that they can do? Or is it just more of a matter of time of continued good habits? Well, this is an, an easy one to talk about, and I can come up with a lot of suggestions, um, but I don't have a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I have a solution to the problem. Um, so there's the distracted driving piece of it. Um, there's also the experience piece of it too. You know, driving a chip truck down the road, towing a chipper is a whole lot different than you know, driving your Toyota Camry down the road. And it requires, I, I'm not qualified to drive a chip truck pulling a, a chipper, you know, and I've been driving for 35 years at this point. Um, it, it requires a certain skill set that not everybody has, and you have to start somewhere. But I think most of us improve as a driver over time with, with greater experience. You know how to handle your car better in bad weather. You know what it feels like to try and stop you know, a 45,000 pound vehicle as opposed to, you know, a 6,000 pound vehicle. Um, so it, you've got to hire the right person, the person that has has the experience doing it. And, and again, I say these are easy to talk about and harder to solve because I know everybody's challenge out there. They're, they're struggling to find any driver, let alone somebody with good experience, a CDL, a clean driving record, you know, and has worked in the tree care industry for a number of years. I, I realize how how difficult that is for everybody right now. And um, but but a bad driver is a is a bad driver, and he's going to be he's going to continue to be a bad driver, and he he's going to cause an accident or be a part of an accident, um, guaranteed. Yeah, and it's a hard thing when everybody's competing from the same pool of qualified employees. Um, exactly. Yeah, so that that makes sense. So one thing I'm curious about, and I hear it a lot from people who work in the industry, you know, whether it's on the in the ground on trees, that safety has evolved in a big way um, over the last you know couple decades. Um, I guess from your involvement with with PCIA, how have you all seen the industry evolve? towards being more safety conscious because I'm sure it looks different on your end than it looks different from um, those who are working in the field every day. Yeah, I don't, in one sense, I'm not sure I'm the guy to answer that question. Uh, like I said earlier, I've been, I've been an insurance underwriter for about 20 years, but um, I've been doing tree care for a little less than 10 now. So there, and I think there's, in my opinion, what I've, what I've seen, not just in this industry, but, uh, safety as it applies to dangerous industries like the oil field or tree care is it's definitely evolved over the last 30 years it's become um uh, much more forward thinking much more preventative and it's thinking i think if you go back to probably the 80s and talk about a loss control visit it was very checklist driven it was do you do this do you do this do you do this and it was a guy with a clipboard asking some questions and and seeing yeah, I saw him do that or no, I didn't. Um, and, and, you know, and since then it's, it's become much more, um, 
geared towards how, how are we going to eliminate, how are we going to mitigate? Uh, if we have an accident, what does that look like? What were the causes that led up to that? And can we impact those? Um, but for my, my short time or my less than 10 years working around this industry, um, I think a lot about the mechanization of it. You know, this, this employee shortage or difficulty in hiring enough people. I've watched it sell a lot of um, grapple saw trucks over the last few years and the amount of equipment on the floor at TCI Expo every year uh, has definitely grown. And I think a big a big reason for that is is the difficulty in getting enough good qualified employees. There just aren't enough people out there. So we have to find new ways to get the work done if the tree care company wants to stay in business and, and remain profitable and do as much work as they can. And that that increased mechanization can can lower one of the offsets to the cost of buying a five hundred thousand dollar grapple saw truck is it's it's less employees which means less workers' compensation insurance to go along with that. Um, it's less, if you have less people in the area working, you have, I think it becomes uh, less likely that people are going to get hurt. Um, so there can be a workers' comp offset for that, um, some increased safety, assuming people are doing things smartly and, and, you know, and still have somebody on the ground watching the work zone and everything, obviously you still have to do things right. Um, but I think it creates an opportunity for increased safety, um, which you're going to need if you have to buy a five hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment. You need some offsets there for either production has to go up dramatically or other costs have to have to come down to kind of compensate for the cost of that thing. But I think that's mechanization is one answer to a problem that, um, as a byproduct, it can can also increase safety. Yeah, no, I like that, and also just. To put out there, we're not plugging for you to buy a grapple saw at any point in time right now, but that's just kind of the one of the biggest, most obvious examples of mechanization in the industry in such a short time period. And just for my own personal curiosity, and this isn't one of the questions I had sent out to you, but does it cost more to insure somebody for like a driver's license and driving a CDL and the chip truck and all that stuff, or does it cost more to insure the the, the grapple saw types of equipment. Well, so you mean in terms of workers' compensation insurance versus the equipment? Yeah, so they're two very different kinds of insurance. With workers' comp, you would be, as an underwriter, we're rating it based on the amount of payroll. There's a rate um, for that particular state. Um, and then you're rating, using that rate to rate on the amount of payroll they have. So your work and workers' compensation savings can come from if you if you're able to do the same job with fewer people, you have less payroll exposure, uh, so that'll result in lower work comp. Whereas on equipment, you are coming up with a rate based on per one hundred dollars of value of that equipment. Um, the rates vary. I don't want to say any particular rate because they vary so widely depending on what industry it is and how big your total amount of equipment you're insuring is some some companies out there would insure like oil field equipment for 25 cents you know per 100 dollars uh this industry tends to be higher because the equipment drives around a lot more often um and that's 
where a significant amount of the exposure comes from. When you start moving $500,000 worth of equipment down the road, there's all kinds of opportunity things go wrong. Somebody runs a red light and hits you, your driver rolls it over, you know, obviously all kinds of bad stuff can happen. So it's, it's tough to make an apples to apples comparison in those two. No, that's, that's it. And then I don't really have any other questions. So is there anything that you would like to talk about that we actually haven't gotten a chance to talk about? One thing I would want to stress to, to people in this industry is when they're shopping for insurance, like I started out saying, I, I get everybody or most people hate insurance. Um, last year at TCI Expo, I did have one person tell me they love insurance. And that was, that was the only time I've ever heard that. <laughs> I don't even love it. And uh, this is what I do every day. But I get most people don't like it. Um, it's expensive. But uh, my recommendation is make an informed business decision and make sure you're comparing coverage to coverage, not just price to price. Um, and I'm not, I'm talking about your homeowners, everything. Don't, there's a, we, people get inundated with all these ads of, we can save you money on insurance. We can get you cheaper insurance. I can provide you cheaper insurance than you have right now. One way to do it is by reducing a bunch of coverages, right? If I have less exposure to worry about that I might have to pay a claim on, I can lower your rates, but that's not always the best choice. So make sure when you see a disparity in price between two, two or more insurance policies, make sure you're making an informed business decision and the coverages are comparable. And if they're not comparable, one option is you can still choose the lower, the lower price premium. Maybe you feel that's what you need to do. Maybe you're going to self-insure some of the stuff. Maybe you, you're just understand that you're getting less coverage and in the event of a loss, you might have less, less coverage responding. And that's okay to make that decision if you understand the differences in coverage. If you're only looking at the price and you don't understand the differences in coverage, that's where the problem comes in. Because when there, then when there is a loss, the 10 or 15 or 20% you save doesn't matter so much when it's the difference between a claim being paid or a claim not being paid. 